Hello, welcome to GradCast. We have a special episode for you today. Uh, my name is Yiman Chen. I'll be one of your hosts for this episode. And I'm Ariel Frame, second host here. And our episode today is special because we have as our guest, Kirsten Senor, the current president of SOGS, uh, the overarching governing body that uh, produces and sponsors our show, the Society of Graduate Students here at the University of Western Ontario. Kirsten, hello. Hello, thank you for having me. Oh, it's lovely to have you, of course. Um, but first of all, before we delve into some Sogsy things, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, gladly. Uh, I wish I had prepped a bit more of a script, but here's my default from way too many Zoom meetings late. Uh, I'm Kirsten. Uh, when not dorking out about policies and documents and management at the Society of Graduate Students. I am a PhD candidate in Library and Information Science in the Faculty of Information and Media Studies. I am fairly gender agnostic, though I favor they them pronouns. I have a cat, I have a corn snake. I desperately want a crested gecko after pet sitting one recently. Uh, and I watch way too much YouTube. I'm, I'm one of those very online people, uh, which in some ways makes all these Zoom meetings very useful, but also has made me realize how desperate I am to get back to campus or the grad club patio. That's me in a nutshell. Uh, well, I've also uh, heard it through the grapevine, shall we say, that um, your research topic and research interests are, shall we say, quite interesting as well. Would you mind just briefly letting us know what that is? Uh, I enjoy that by through the grapevine, you might mean that we are in the same department, <laughs> but you know, good grapevine. Uh, I mean, I find my research quite interesting. I was once in the grad club where a professor told me that I should do an entirely different project because my project wasn't interesting, um, which is all the funnier because uh, the interesting part of my research is I technically get paid to look at porn. Uh, so my research specifically focuses on uh, the ways in which we, like the linguistic and visual navigational systems of online pornography. So that's focusing on website design, the tags that are used, the sort of linguistic ecosystems that allow us to uh, find mature content and navigate and understand it. Uh, I'm not sure what that project is gonna look in the long run, but uh, definitely early days, I decided if I was gonna commit four plus years to something, it should be something that uh, I found interesting and would keep me interested. Uh, I'm, I'm very glad compared to, you know, at least one of my colleagues is studying genocide. And so I, I think focusing on something like pornography was definitely uh, a good choice for my mental health. <laughs> Wow. And I'm sure all of this um, research, all this other work has um, greatly informed your work as the president of SOGS, perhaps. Surprisingly, yes, actually. <laughs> but we can get into that. It's transferable skills, right? So on that note, could you tell us a little bit about um, this glorious organization, the Society of Graduate Students, and your role as the president, the uh, the captain at the helm of this storied institution? Uh, with pleasure. Uh, I am in this role because I legitimately love and support all that the society graduate students does. Uh, so anytime I can talk about it uh, is risky, but in the best possible way. So the Society of Graduate Students is a democratic body representing all of the graduate students at Western. That's well over 6,000 people, uh, of which about 20% are international. Um, I wish I had the numbers for how much are professional. It's, it's master's as well as PhD. 
Um, we started back in 1963 as a bit of a, a social club almost, um, focusing on pub nights. And we've really grown from there, uh, which I think is reflective of the growth of uh, post-secondary studies in general and just the uh, very uh, complex situations that graduate students all often find themselves in. We talk a lot about wearing multiple hats. Our role is both uh, employees through the various lecturing and TAing that we do, particularly through PSIC, but also we're researchers, we're students, we're uh, mentors. It's it's really complex. Uh, so as such, we've really grown into a democratic body, an advocacy body. Um, we've been doing a lot of review of our uh, formal policies lately, and there's a, a fun section at the end of the unified documents, just statement stating some of the things SOG stands for. It's a it's a fun read. <laughs> Um, if you're my sort of person. Uh, in that, I, I have the pleasure of serving as the president. Uh, I was the president this uh, past year um, and am also get to continue to serve for this upcoming year, which is very exciting, uh, particularly in times of COVID. I think uh, would love some changeover and support other people to do these roles, but it's, I think we're all dealing with too much change as is already. So I'm <laughs> very glad I get to continue in the role. Um, I like to describe my role as president as doing all the things that other people don't want to do. Uh, so this is a lot of um, policy proposals, uh, you know, consultation with lawyers about any of our employment issues, team management, project management, the, uh, as a teaser, the structural retreat we're going to talk about today was very much just it didn't fit in anyone else's portfolio, so I ran with it, and that luckily everyone was happy with me dragging them along for it. Uh, so a lot of that stuff that's sort of uh, behind the scenes to support everyone else to keep things running and do some of that more uh, stuff that you'll see some more promoted on our social media, like our health plan, like our advocacy. Uh, our advocacy portfolio has done great work lately with uh, statements of support for various student groups and, and uh, particularly our international students. Uh, so I get to do some of the behind the scenes of just following up with people and connecting people with other awesome people. Uh, yeah. That's uh, cool that you're <laughs> clearly passionate about all that. And uh, it's uh, sounds like we have a super competent leader on our hands and I'm glad to have you. Can you clarify for us a little bit like um, how your role relates to the other roles? Like what other, what are the positions if I were to go to the about us a section of, of SOG? Yeah, uh, it's, it's fun you ask because we're slowly trying to update our uh, organizational chart, um, which is another thing no one else cares about, but I love org charts. So I'm very primed for this. Uh, the leadership team that people will be most familiar with from a structural perspective would be our executive team. We have five executive members. I'm the president. And then we have four vice presidents. Our vice presidents each look after various portfolios through both their uh, own drive and projects and uh, work, as well as supporting committees that are within those portfolios. The four portfolios are advocacy, academic, finance, and student services. Uh, you'll get to hear lots from all those wonderful people to better understand their portfolios. One of the benefits I see of the presidential role in that is supporting the collaborations so that people aren't just working in silos and burning themselves out, uh, which is very easy to do in graduate studies. And we definitely bring that to our uh, SOGS work as well. Some of the other roles that are really key and feed into that are our non-executive officers. So this includes our various commissioners who all represent different advocacy focuses our chief returning officer, our speaker, our deputy speaker, 
our uh, peer academic advisor, which is a great initiative that's been running the last few years to help people navigate concerns that um, any sort of academic issues, particularly with Western men. Uh, I'm probably forgetting people in that list. So uh, apologies, that's about my own brain capacity and not any you know commentary on anyone. <laughs> we also have some fantastic staff. Uh, at SOGS, we have five full-time staff in total, uh, two of which work in the grad club, that's Mark and Cookie. And then we have currently three office staff. Uh, we're working on recruiting a fourth uh, contract position to test out. Our three office staff focus on membership services, on communications and promotions, and finance. Uh, we also, I, I don't want to get too into the weeds, but I do want to really center and acknowledge the amazing work our volunteers outside of that do. Uh, we have so many chairs or just interest in parties. Uh, one of the things that I, I think SOGS does at its best is really diversify the ways to get involved. Uh, and everyone sort of takes care of their passion projects uh, and brings their best. Uh, even just the people who are willing to actually send me emails so that they can tell me what they want SOGS to be doing are, uh, it's amazing. It, it, it takes a village and all that. So you mentioned um, just a little bit earlier as a bit of a teaser, you, you talked about a structural retreat. Um, and I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about that. What, what is a structural retreat and why did uh, you sort of initiate this? Yeah, uh, so one of the things I've really enjoyed bringing to my role is uh, as much as I have a lot of passion for the equity, diversity and inclusivity aspects of SOGS and advocacy. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people, at least in my home department, know me for. Uh, I also have a real love of project management. <laughs> Uh, so when I came in, I was really trying to uh, operationalize that at the risk of sounding highly neoliberal and corporate, but uh, building some strong structures so that we can really live up to the ambitions that we have as an organization. Uh, I like to describe it as growing pains that we are going through, uh, particularly following the Student Choice Initiative. Uh, I think there was a lot of uh, conversation at a lot of student unions about how to make sure our value is being translated and celebrated. We had a like 97% retention rate. So uh, we were building off a strong foundation. So as part of that, uh, when I came into my role, we kept on having conversations at the committee level, at the executive committee meetings where we would be trying to make decisions or recommendations and bump into these, a few core repeated questions of, well, we can't talk about that until we talk about this other thing. Uh, the most central one would definitely be labor availability. So when, for example, Every time that we introduce a new financial program, yes, we have committees that do a lot of that work for review and consultation, but it goes through our main staffing in order to manage, you know, our membership services manager, Jessica, does a great job of actually going through applicants to make sure all their paperwork is there, um, making sure the content is complete, and preparing that work. So uh, we, we would bump into these questions of, oh, well, we want to launch this new program, or we're hearing from students they want this thing but who's going to do it, right? Uh, especially the executive and chairs and non-executive officers do a great job, but we also want students to be able to be students first. Um, I think, unfortunately, the ambition that we have in our organization means that we've had some exploited labor practices. Again, I'm getting to the weeds a little bit, um, but core to that point was we would bump into these big questions. Uh, so while procrastinating on some other work, uh, back in September or so, I started drafting a plan um, that, again, the whole team seemed to be really keen to just get dragged along with. And they were just dedicated focus groups across a few days, uh, very much a retreat style, 
uh, where we invited particularly focused on our chairs and our executive and our staff to just talk through those bigger issues. So these were topics such as our committee structures and support for our committees, uh, our commissioners and how we understand those roles, our staffing structure, uh, executive accountability. Uh, and it allowed us to craft a fairly substantial document highlighting some of the goals of, even if we don't have the outcomes or the uh, metrics really defined yet, at least projects that we really want to, like the questions we want to ask going forward. Uh, I keep on referring back to this document a lot lately uh, because it's very useful as at least some core consultation around, okay, what do we want to do next? Um, in particular, one of the themes that came out throughout that consultation is that there was this real clear sort of linear process that we want to pursue in order to again just strengthen our foundations. So that first piece, back to that question of hiring a fourth uh, full-time office staff member was expanding our labor support so that we have that core structure to build off of um, and, and can do more of our legally, yearly structures more reliably. And that allows us to do a lot of work. Well, okay, once we have that set, we can review the training and support we offer our chairs, which can then feed into a conversation about how much do we want our committees to do because we wanna make sure our expectations are um, equal or comparable to the support we offer. And so we have this lovely chain and uh, you know, ideally we get a lot done this year, <laughs> but uh, realistically, I think it's gonna be a two to five year project to really implement a lot of that, um, which is exciting and daunting because uh, it's always a little, especially with uh, how short some of our master's programs are, it's uh, we're taking on, on faith and empathy a lot that people will sign up to maybe struggle through a bit of a year so that things can be better in two to five, but grad students are amazing for that stuff. So could you maybe um, just tell us, you know, it sounds like you're, you're trying to come up with this cohesive structure of like, what, what do we want? How are we going to do it? And, and, and that's where you have this document. And it sounds like you've done a good job of doing that. Um, and, and the idea, I guess, is that this is representative of the will of all of graduate students, which is then represented by, by SOGS. How does, how do we go from understanding what graduate students want to, to the, you know, the implementing side, which you're, which you're trying to do now, how, what's the process the, where SOGS actually goes to actually being representing the graduate students? That's a deep question. Uh, <laughs> the, the first preface I would say to that is it requires a lot of humility where Yes, we represent to the best of our ability the 6,000 plus graduate students we represent. You also have to know that graduate students are busy. So there's going to be a few who just opt out of the SOGS side of the conversation. And just accepting that and supporting that is a key step. <laughs> uh, and from there, uh, a lot of what we're trying to do in some of this foundational work is plan ahead enough that we can be iterative and evolutionary in our approach to things. So as much as in my personal life, I like to crack a lot of jokes about just like burning things down and starting fresh. Uh, from a professional st standpoint, I don't actually think that's useful. It's, it's too much change. Graduate students already deal with so much precarity in their lives that I find we're a very risk averse group when it comes to change. Um, because when you don't know if you're going to get funded next term, you don't want to also be dealing with a bunch of changeover in your advocacy organization, right? Um, so we're, Part of this foundational piece is doing more of that planning. Uh, so for example, we're developing an annual plan at the executive level, and I'm hoping that can be a pilot case for what a structural, uh, sorry, a strategic plan might look like at the SOGs in general. 
which can be informed by the strategic plan that Weston is currently serving. And I think that's so key because it provides really clear metrics and milestones to report to our membership. So historically, we rely a lot on, and I'm being overly brief here because, you know, but the, the best way I can think to describe it is we rely on passion projects. No one gets involved with SOGS because things are going okay. So in my experience, everyone who signs up, whether it be as a committee member, as a non-executive officer, as our staff member, it's because they saw what could be better. Uh, and this is great because it means we can be very responsive. Um, executive, for example, often bring in projects that are their pet projects. From an organizational perspective, that can introduce a lot of you know, projects get dropped as things get changed over. Projects may be uh, beyond the scope of what we can reasonably sustain. Uh, so finding ways to really build that foundation up. And I think long-term planning is a big part of that. So one of the recommendations that built out of this structural retreat was to do an annual plan. And the benefits of that are things like, we as an executive can go to council and you know prepare, prepare pretty infographics to put online and say, here's what we wanna do this year. And it's still our passion, passion projects. It still it speaks to that personal as well as political aspect of our involvement. But then we have that to refer back to. Uh, we have a bad habit um, based on our organizational structures and just, again, the frustrations of graduate studies that we're often responding to things. So. Uh, COVID is the prime example right now. SEI was a previous example. And then just everything stops to focus on that. But by creating an annual plan, we get these milestones so that we can report to council, say, okay, this is the progress we're making on the things that we committed to doing this year. And in a year, it also gives us a chance to look back and actually celebrate on what we did and reflect on what worked well and build really strong templates and models so that it's easier for the next people to come in and run with their passion projects and, and build on what we're doing. Um, instead of just keep on relying on this sort of hamster wheel model. Uh, so if I can attempt to kind of summarize and connect that all to your point, uh, I think the way that you build from these recommendations to representing graduate students is you meet them where they are and you provide information in a way that is digestible, manageable, and reasonable. Uh, we are a very um, information demanding group uh, even though we're time poor. So uh, the joke I like to make is, you know, graduate students like to know that there's a 20 page report, even though they won't read it. <laughs> and again, that, that's not the humility piece. Uh, but going back to calling people in, including them in the conversation as best you can, uh, and really just focusing in on your, your goals and ambitions, I think is a, a big part of that, so that they at least don't feel like they're getting um, surprised or shocked by anything. Hopefully that answered. There's a whole bunch of other stuff about representational like democracy that we can get into, but that's maybe a separate topic. Yeah, Kirsten, it, it sounds like um, a lot of the things you talked about were about continuity, about putting in mechanisms and structures to basically help the society keep on going. I was wondering, are there other um, sort of major initiatives, ideas, or goals, or objectives that sort of came out of this retreat? Yeah, uh, so some of the other ones include uh, better support for our chairs is I think a key one. Uh, we have been doing chairs training in the last few years. Uh, there was a, a break last year, uh, but it's it switched between a, different, a few different people for who manages it. Uh, so it's very unpredictable about how much our chairs are being supported. Mm -hmm. So figuring out how to recognize their work, um, both financially, um, systematically, 
particularly building more professional development opportunities into our chair structure uh, so that people find the value in it uh, and really feel valued through giving their time um, in addition to just the projects that they're able to take on. Uh, there's a lot of conversation around oversight. Uh, currently, uh, our primary oversight model, particularly for anything the executive doing is through our council. Our council is when everyone's in attendance over 100 people, which is great for consultation and getting diverse perspectives, but very difficult anytime something tense comes up. Uh, so employment issues, legal issues, uh, anything where a member's individual privacy is concerned. We don't want to be putting people on blast in front of 100 plus people, regardless of how lovely and wonderful those people are, right? Um, so finding other ways to build in other oversight structures, such as an oversight board, uh, is, is one of the conversations. Our commissioner's roles was really well discussed, uh, that their role uh, that have really grown in the last few years, and particularly with the growing familiarity with intersectionality, defining them in silos wasn't working as well. Uh, so we're working through ideas of uh, maybe a complementary coordinator structure. Uh, I won't get into the quirks of the definitions, but in brief, the idea is we have these people, these designated roles that are always focused on a certain thing. What do we do when a particular topic comes up? So um, if a year where some support for year X was a real priority, that's not something that currently fits in any portfolio officers, uh, regardless of their role. Uh, international students have been a repeated topic here of should there be a dedicated commissioner or should there be a coordinator, should there be an executive role, uh, just to make sure that we are really have the infrastructure and those connections so that these items that are so central to our operations and our values as an organization uh, don't get dropped, um, don't rely on, you know, the one person who has the connections and then they graduate and we lose an entire network of support. Um, again, all that stuff stuff that I find really fascinating, <laughs> but is also sort of that kind of in the weeds of how do we build a strong foundation so we can actually do all the things we want to do. Sounds It sounds like this structural retreat was quite productive and is going to really help with SOGs for, you know, many years to come and, and not necessarily just for the current iteration of, of the government. Um, I'm wondering, could you maybe tell us have there been any big paradigm shifts in SOGs historically in terms of the government? Like, um, you know, presumably it wasn't the way it is now when it began in the 60s, right? What, what do you see as like big changes in, in how the government has changed? Yeah, I, I think a lot of that has been, how do I put this? I think uh, there is a tendency that we sort of grow as needed, uh, which is fine. <laughs> But it means that we're often reacting after the fact, or particularly given our reliance on graduate student volunteers, putting people in really uncomfortable spots where they have to address complex emotional issues that they may be passionate about, but you know they have their other priorities. We, we want all of our members to be able to be students first, right? Even as someone who was previously a vice president, even in just my time here, uh, the, some of the paradigm shifts I've seen are towards more collaboration, uh, so for example, and different people have different opinions about this, uh, but back when I was a VP, we had staggered elections for the elections, uh, the various VP roles. A few people started in September, a few people started in um, like May, the presidential elections were February. So you couldn't do a lot of that planning. 
Uh, it was useful in some ways because you always had some people who knew what was going on. Uh, but I'd say most recently, one of the major shifts is just letting some of the staff be more that uh, continuity so that we can really have years where we do planning and presentation. And th there's a different sense of a sort of cohort almost when you have chairs getting trained at the same time that VPs are coming in. And it's still a model where we're working on improving. There's always tweaks to be made. Uh, again, we're graduate students. We're a critical, engaged, demanding bunch. Um, but that shift towards more collaboration and intersectionality, I think, has been a real growth. Way back when, we were a boys club, much like any post-secondary institution was in the 60s, you know? Um, and, and so it's really exciting to see how much we've grown on that front of just saying, you know, we can do more for everybody and, and lean on Western to do more for everybody, too. All right. Well, thanks very much for telling us about uh, what you do at SOGS and what SOGS is, really. <laughs> um, we're coming up near the end of our time. I was wondering if, I'd ask, if I could ask you, for incoming graduate students who are new to Western or for graduate students who haven't been very engaged with SOGS, um, what would you like those people to know about this organization? Yeah. I the main thing I'd say is that uh, we're here for you. Uh, again, any participation, I'm, I'm biased obviously, but I think any participation with the Society of Graduate Students is going to improve your graduate degree. And whether that means just stopping by uh, for a chat to ask about, you know, um, chatting to with our lovely staff when our office is a little bit more open, asking questions about your health plan, uh, asking about how our systems interact with PSAC, joining a committee uh, to find your pet projects, uh, learning about the fantastic uh, climate change declaration that our sustainability uh, committee put together. Find the five minutes, uh, and I think it'll pay, pay off, uh, because especially this year, but the isolation of graduate studies in general, it's so nice to find your community. And some of us are very fortunate and find that in our home department, but sometimes you find your niche somewhere else, and it's, it's going to help you grow. It's going to help you feel supported. It'll give you space to complain about your lab mates, just to step outside of that where that you sometimes inhabit in your home department. So again, I'm biased, but I, I think I'm biased with cause. So I think uh, you've said enough to, uh, you know, trigger some excitement, I think, in, in students that maybe hadn't thought, you know, when they're joining graduate student program that, you know, there's also this government thing going on and it's, you know, involved in so many things and there's so many opportunities for them. So um, I think that, you know, people might be interested in following up. Uh, so the question is, how do they do that? Where does a student go digitally <laughs> to find out about what they can do and get involved in? Yeah. Uh, so we're on social media uh, at Western SOGS uh, on most platforms. We're on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we have our website, SOGS.ca. Uh, if people want to follow up me specifically, because uh, I do try to hear from graduate students, I'm, I'm desperate to hear your opinions. Um, you can email me at president at SOGS.ca. Uh, if you've made the bad decision to be on Twitter, I'm there at Kirsten ASDF, that's K-I-R-S-T-Y-N-A-S-D-F, uh, or I'm on the SOGS Discord as just Kirsten, K-I-R-S-T-Y-N. Um, and again, so enthusiastic to hear from people. So, uh, you know, send a meme, send a comment, send a complaint. Uh, we're happy to run with it. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time uh, today, Kirsten. And thank you for telling us about this glorious organization we're all part of.
thank you so much for having me. This was a, a real pleasure. Okay, well, you've been listening to GradCast. We are a production of the aforementioned Society of Graduate Students here at the University of Western Ontario. Your hosts today have been me, uh, Yimin Chan, along with Ariel Frame. And our guest today was Kirsten Senor, the president of SOGS. Uh, this episode was produced by Herod Nadine. You can subscribe to our podcasts on Apple, Google, or wherever podcasts are available. You can also check us out on YouTube for video versions of our episodes. And you can check out our website at gradcast.ca. If you'd like to drop us a line, our email is gradcastradio at gmail.com. And you can catch us on the radio at Radio Western 94.9 FM. Thanks for listening and see you next time.